What's up, everybody? Dan, Binder Boneyard, coming at you from the office desk in the parts cavern shipping department storage area. Um, you might hear some background noise. I got Rody the Wonder Dog in the shop today. Um, she'll be coming in with me more, more every day. Um, just because. Um, that's what I do. She's my dog. So, anyways. Um, beautiful day. Central Oregon. Leaves keep dying. Goddamn cottonwood tree. I wish it would die all the way. <laughs> but no, just the leaves are dying. So, anyway. Um, yeah, coming at you from the uh, office break room, wherever, like always. Uh, been uh, busy 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 these aluminum fuel tanks aluminum fuel tanks and um other parts new parts got the light bar bracket shipments in got uh, all that stuff taken care of um getting it ready to ship and whatnot um just been busy busy appreciate you guys appreciate all the uh all the purchasing all the used parts all the stuff online, everything, it just uh, goes goes a real long ways towards uh, towards the greater good, and I appreciate it very much. Uh, so, yeah, I've been busy keeping Jamie busy in the office. Getting, she's, she does all the shipping and all the eBay sales and, and that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, the more you guys purchase, the more... The more... Um, we all do well, you know, Jamie, Jamie gets a paycheck and Tom gets a paycheck and, you know, Tom gets paid through the restoration and, and repair side of the business mostly. But, uh, but Jamie, she's, she's office and, and parts department. So yeah, all the stuff you guys purchase on eBay, uh, Binder Boneyard, if you search there or, you know, the, the sales where you just call in or message in looking for parts, uh, you know, that's where, that's where she makes her money, where we make our money is just part sales and whatnot. So, um, again, thank you guys. Thanks for, for keeping the, uh, the old pirate ship afloat. Uh, all the Patreon support, uh, Frank and Joe and, you know, all the scout owners of the world, Facebook page and all that. Uh, really, really appreciate that. And, um, you know, hopefully... Hopefully that grows because these things don't, uh, these podcasts aren't free to make. Um, it costs me money to put these things out every couple of days. So um, the support is greatly appreciated. Um, so upcoming events, speaking of support, uh, really not much on the calendar until uh, March. Right now, anyways, March. The birthday run, uh, 16th through the 19th. Uh, Southern California running Route 66. Um, Route 66 to, uh, well, we're going to start in probably Bakersfield and then run to wherever we run out. Uh, I know I say this every every episode, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to remind you guys now and then. So uh, as far as other events, you know, the Western Regionals, I believe is in April down in Barstow. 
uh, Rocky Mountain Rendezvous sometime in July uh, in Colorado. Uh, the Nationals, of course, in Ohio in August. And, uh, you know, we'll see what else comes up between now and then. I guess there's a show in Florida coming up. Uh, somebody's putting on pretty quick kind of an impromptu trip, so or a show, so I, of course I won't make that one, but uh, if anybody's in the southern states, jump on the Facebooks and uh, and look for the show in Florida that's coming up. Uh, so, anyways, today we'll probably talk a little bit about some welding again. Um, you know, we talked the other day about uh, sheet metal welding, and some fabrication stuff for doing body panel replacements and whatnot. And uh, I know I've got some messages from guys that some of the pods lately have been pretty softball, uh, you know, pretty easy beginner stuff. And I just want to remind everyone that we were all beginners at some point. Uh, you know, I, I had a mentor mentors that kind of took me under their wing and showed me what was up. And, uh, you know, I just want to remind you guys that not everybody has mentors and sometimes they only get their information from, you know, YouTube and places like this podcast and whatnot. So, um, you know, sometimes the softball stuff is the light questions are, are important to go over because some people don't have the knowledge yet. And, you know, yeah, I say go out and do it. Just do it. Just, you know, try and do it. But you know, you still got to get some knowledge from somewhere. And, and so you guys that are experienced pros that don't like listening to the, you know, the, the day one type podcast. Well, I'm sorry, but got to cover, cover a lot of that stuff for everybody. So anyway, uh, today I want to talk about chassis welding and, and heavier fabrication. Uh, a lot of these, Rigs need, you know, the Scout 2s, especially the rear cross member is always bent. It's always broken. Uh, got cracks in it. You know, we just did that on uh, Casey's 1980 Scout. I had to, I popped the body up like a foot. Eh, not quite a foot. But enough to get in there with a grinder. Uh, I use like a 90 degree uh, air angle grinder or die grind they're called die grinder but it's an angle 90 degree angle die grinder with a cutoff wheel get in there and remember there's a fuel tank that'll be hanging in there so watch out for that but i get in there and uh it just cut the welds and half of casey's were broken so it was easy to get it out of there but i took it out completely uh welded up the cracks banged out the the dents and the the puckered holes straighten the thing out as straight as I could make it and then uh, gusseted the ends where the body mounts always fold under they curl the thing down so um, you know it, it's important to gusset that area uh, some guys completely redo that cross member with a piece of you know, three sixteenths or something. And, and that works too. I think Randy at GRC makes a complete cross member with all the holes and everything in it. So it just, it's a heavier duty version of the factory one. So that'd be a good route too. 
I didn't have one on hand. I didn't have time to order one. So I just repaired the cross member on my own and then uh, went from there. Uh, so as far as doing chassis work on old trucks like this, it's super, super, super important that everything be clean. Cleanliness, these old chassis, they soak up road grease, they soak up engine oil, especially if you're doing work up front by like the steering box and stuff. Uh, you know, you're welding in the box brace, steering box brace uh, <clears throat> for the Scout 2s again. I know the D-Series like to crack the frame around the power steering box too. That's why the 74s and 5s had internal bracing inside the frame web uh, that the 69 to 73s did not have. So uh, it's important in those areas, you know, first of all, clean it. What I like to do here is we use like Castrol Super Clean, that purple shit, uh, or purple power from Napa. Spray it down, spray it down, and then spray it down some more, and then pressure wash it. Uh, if a guy has a hot water pressure washer, like a hot sea or a Landa or a Karcher or something, those uh, are great, 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 great for blasting shit off the bottoms of your truck. Uh, so uh, if you can use that, clean that area very well. Then <clears throat> what I like to do is hit it with a grinder, whether it be a, you know, hard stone or a flap wheel uh, on a four and a half inch grinder if you can get in there. If you can't, then I use that 90 degree angle die grinder again and, you know, a sanding grit, sanding disc on that, usually 36 or 80 grit. I don't go any more fine than 80 grit on the um, die grinder stuff. Uh, clean the surface extremely well. If there's any cracks that you're welding up, take that die grinder and a cutoff wheel and and trace the crack with the cutoff wheel. Don't go all the way through the frame, but just gouge it to, as you follow the crack because that'll help you join the two pieces back together the, the best. Um, so once you've ground it, made your cuts if there's cracks uh, or you know prep, figure out where your weld surface is gonna be. Then I take uh, brake clean. This is extremely important, extremely important. So please listen. If you're doing something else, fucking listen. Do not, do not use chlorinated brake clean. Do not. That shit will kill you when you weld over it. It has the chlorine, when it gets heated up in the welding process, creates a gas that will fuck you up. I don't care if you got kids in the room, they should hear that too. Do not weld on chlorinated brake clean. It will fuck your head up. Trust me. It hasn't happened to me, but I know of a guy and I've read all the stuff online that it all, everyone talks about it. It is very, very dangerous. Non-chlorinated brake clean like the 3M stuff uh, or the, the Napa brand or the CRC. It says right on the can, it'll say non-chlorinated. That's what you want to use. And then hose down that area. 
because a lot of times, especially in the steering box area or frame rails that's been soaked in oil most of its life, it actually will absorb the oil and will cook it. You know, it'll, it'll go in, it'll, it'll soak into the engine. So into the frame rail or, or whatever metal you're trying to work on. So another thing that I do, if it's bad, uh, I'll take a heat gun and before I do the brake clean, I will take a heat gun and I'll heat that area up hot and it'll actually like the oil will leach back out of the frame. Uh, so I'll do that sometimes if it's bad and then, and then wipe it down, just, you know, paper towel or something, then use the brake clean non-chlorinated brake clean to make sure that area is perfect. And then I'll hit it with just compressed air just to blow off, uh, you know, any, any brake clean residue or whatever. And then I go to, to do the weld. You know, if you're welding up cracks, weld them up good, nice and hot, uh, you know, whatever your welder setting needs to be for that thickness of material, burn it in, go back over with a grinder, make it smooth, Look for cracks again, look for, you know, you can see hairlines and things when, if you didn't penetrate good enough. So you'll hit that. If you got hairlines, grind them again, weld them again, clean it up. The part that you're sticking to it, if you're, again, I'm using Scout 2 box brace, uh, the plate, like what IH parts sells or what other Randy sells, uh, bevel that, give it a little bit of an edge. Uh, clean the edge. A lot of times these things come with just the raw, like lasered, blue lasered edge. I always take the Scotch-Brite or a light sanding disc and clean up the edge. Um, I guess bevel's not the right word. Um, just clean it up. Give it a good edge so that the weld will attach to it. Um, and then when you stick it up there, Again, like I said, with Scout 2s, just put a couple bolts through it. Make sure everything's lined up. Tight. Clamp it. Take a clamp and clamp it down. I mean, yeah, you can attach it with the bolts and suck it down with the bolts. But, um, you know, if you're only pulling in the middle where the bolt pattern is, sometimes the edges will flare up. Uh, so I like to use the bolts to pull it into place for alignment. And then I use a clamp at each end of the plate so that the plate is flat across the frame. And I put like four tacks in the corners so that when I'm running my weld bead, I'm not welding across the top of a tack uh, because then it looks funny. You get a big lump where the tack was and your weld flow looks weird and uh, it's just not presentable. So what I like to do is tack in the places that are gonna be my starts and stops uh, that way it, it flows better when you're welding. And uh, and then from there, yeah, just uh, whatever your setting is on your machine for, for the thickness, um, just run it in. I, I don't run a continuous straight bead. I do kind of like a, like a loop bead, so to speak. So I like make a puddle and then I drop down and then swoop back up make a puddle, drop down, swoop back up, make a puddle. And it gives you that nice rounded um, kind of, I don't want to say stack of dimes because that, that term's pretty played out and, and I don't, I'm not a fan of it, but uh, it's just a nice pattern and a nice flow. Uh, 
If you're doing overhead, that's a little harder. Uh, sometimes you just, you know, you got to turn your heat down a little bit so the well's not falling out. Uh, and, and sometimes you can't pull off that pattern just because of, of the weld falling out. So you'll have to play with that um, a little bit. I always recommend practicing on something before you do something serious like that, uh, especially if you're doing suspension work. Uh, you know, you've moved the hangers, you're adding different springs, uh, shackle hangers, whatever. If you're doing that, uh, really practice on, on scrap material before you just jump right in and try welding out your frame. Because uh, that's something you don't want to mess up. You really don't want to have that hanger break off. I mean, the Scout 2 front spring hangers like to break off anyways. So, uh, you know, don't make it another weak spot. That's just, yeah. You don't ever want to make things worse than they were when you started. That's a that's a good a good thing to say. Um, but yeah, just make sure uh, you know you're confident in your ability before you just start doing a bunch of overheads and stuff. Uh, but yeah, weld it in. Uh, I'll take a wire cup brush on the grinder and just clean up the weld when it's done. Clean up the weld area. Make sure there's no porosity or pitting. Or anything weird uh, and then and then I paint it uh, you know throw some black some gloss black over the over the part and then bolt the steering box back in or whatever bolt the springs in uh, you know this sort of stuff is really uh, uh, these tips are really helpful for like the spring hanger gussets that we sell for the Scout twos almost the entire welding process on those is overhead uh, so it's really important that uh, your area be clean and your workspace be uh, open and usable because uh, you're in, you know, it's important that you weld those things on correctly the first time. So, uh, you know, cleanliness, clean, clean up the area, make sure you have room and then, uh, you know, weld settings, do a little practice run on something else, some scrap material, and then you should be able to burn them in. Uh, so I see guys missing that, you know, especially with like stick welders and stuff. You can you can arc weld like across dirt and rust and oil and everything else, and uh, I I don't I don't recommend that. Um, so yeah, the the better the prep, the better the weld surface, the better uh, end result you're gonna have. Uh, and as far as welding quality goes, there's no secret. There's no magic. Uh, pattern to run. There's no magic setting. There's no tip that I can give you that's going to make you, you know, the next Jesse James. Uh, the only thing I can say is it's saddle time. It is sitting down or standing up and burning wire, running rod, whatever. You weld and you weld and you weld and you weld and you get good at it. You you learn learn what needs to happen, what good welds are supposed to look like, and you learn your motion. You learn the speed. You learn to not be afraid of the sparks and the spatter. Uh, that's the thing I see a lot of new welders. They don't do good at the beginning because they're getting shot with sparks and shit's going down their gloves and they're you know not having a good time and 
you know, it's uh, it, it's just such a, a distracting thing that um, they don't do a good job. And, and so you have to get conditioned to the, <laughs> you have to get conditioned to the pain, uh, you know, having weld BB go down your glove and burn, you know, the palm of your hand or having a spatter jump into your ear canal and you can hear it sizzle your ear hole. Uh, you know, hope to God you cleaned out your ears the night before cause you don't want it catching that wax on fire. Uh, you know, little things like that. If you have a beard, get get ready to burn some holes in it. Uh, if you have, if you have, you know, long hair, tuck it in. Wear a welding cap. I always wear a cap under my hood just because I hate burning the top of my head. I always get sparks down the top of my hood, so I just I wear a hat. Uh, you just it's just one of those things. I welded for years and years and years. Um, I started out in a big fab shop, pushing a broom, drilling holes, learning. I started at the bottom and started welding on my lunch breaks and spare time until I got good enough that the um, shop manager let me weld small parts on the bench. And then I worked up to big parts and then I was burning, you know, 052 dual shield regularly and a lot of it uh, and then I jumped to another job doing 035 hardwire I was burning almost a 30 pound spool of hardwire a day almost uh, so it was uh, you know I've got a lot of time in this the the TIG welding uh, if a guy wants to get that right we'll, we'll cover TIG welding on another uh, episode because that's a that's a pretty heavy duty project. I don't want to get, I don't want to get people confused with the processes, but, um, you know, pretty much this whole tips and tricks was all about uh, wire feed. Uh, again, like I talked about with sheet metal welding, um, there's different wire thicknesses. I use 030, uh, because it can go back and forth between sheet and heavy because we don't do anything heavier than quarter inch and if I do have to weld some three eighths or something I just two pass it uh, like when I do cut and turns that's a good example when I do a cut and turn front end uh, on a scout two or any of them because I'll do a narrow and a Chevy or whatever when I weld the C's back on I run three passes I run a root pass around the whole thing and then I run a, I don't know what you call it. I, I'm not a, I'm not skilled in the terms, but I run a second pass that just covers one half of the root, and then I run a third pass that kind of top covers the root and a portion of the second pass. Um, so I'm confident that the uh, that the knuckle's not going anywhere, and and because I run the O three O, it makes a little bit smaller uh, bead. And so uh, that's why I feel confident with the three pass. Uh, the uh, the other thing that I want to make sure everyone remembers is this: this is mostly it's it's wire feed and it's gas wire feed. This is not flux core. This isn't Harbor Freight. You know, O two three flux core, one ten welder. No, you got to have if you're going to do chassis work, you got to have at least 
bare minimum, uh, you know, um, a Miller 180 or a Lincoln 180, some, you know, even the, the wire feeds that they sell at Home Depot, uh, you know, those will work if you're running 023, but their duty cycles are light and you're going to have to multiple pass uh, a lot of this heavier stuff. So, um, you know, make sure that you're not welding with something that's too light for what you want to do. The, the small 110 machines are okay for sheet metal, but, uh, but anytime you start getting over eighth inch, you really want something that's going to penetrate and dig. Uh, we use, I have a Millermatic 200 here, uh, or 250 or no, I, it's a 200 Millermatic 200, uh, from the late seventies. So it, uh, it puts down a lot of hurt on that metal. And that's what you need when you're doing hard, heavy work. Um, like I say, like chassis work and, and things, if you're building bumpers, that sort of stuff, you want a welder that's going to really put it down. Cause you don't want that shit falling off. You don't want some, you don't want your buddy backing up to your bumper, uh, hooking up the uh, toe strap and then pulling it off when you're really stuck because then that just makes everything worse and people make fun of you for doing shit work so um you know again the there's no magic bullet there's no secret it's just having the right machine for the job practice 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 uh and then you know prep work cleanliness of your works work surface and then you know then doing it, not being afraid of getting burned, not being afraid of sparks. Um, I would be afraid of catching the truck on fire. Make sure you've got, uh, you know, like I say, with everything clean, you shouldn't have any fires. But if you're welding around the power steering area and there's oil in the frame and whatnot, there's a chance you could catch that standing oil on fire. Uh, keep an extinguisher handy. Keep some rags handy. A lot of times you can put those oil fires out just by smothering them with a rag and then uh you know and then you can continue on so you know keep that keep that sort of stuff in mind keep your area clean you don't want to burn your scout down if you're doing interior weld work like if you're replacing floors and you didn't take the back seat out for some reason or whatever you know cover it with a blanket a, a welding blanket or something that's going to keep it from catching on fire from sparks you really keep that in mind uh, i've seen more than one truck burned down from welding sparks. So, uh, anyway, well, that was my, uh, rundown on welding. Hopefully that was informative for some of you guys. I don't know. Um, might've been a little softball for you guys too, but who knows? Uh, that's just what I do. Just sharing my experience. Uh, I think, I think, uh, Saturday's pod, we might go into something a little more fun, like, uh, automatic or manual transmissions what would you like i think that might be a good topic and i can irritate some people so anyways thanks everybody for following along thanks for your support uh i love you so much and um again thank you and, and i'll talk to you soon <laughs>